Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to another podcast episode. And uh, I'm really excited today because we get somebody coming on the show who actually is a former student of mine, which is really interesting because he was able to go and launch his podcast and get it out into the wonderful world. And I didn't really hear from him for a really long time. And then I'm super, super excited to say he went on to absolutely dominate in his career. Probably nothing to do with the podcast, in all fairness. Don't think I'm trying to take any credit of any sorts, but I'm just so impressed. And just the other day, one of my friends at a retreat was saying, who are some of the most successful people that you know in the industry? And I mentioned one of my friends, Mario Pai, who had done just an insane amount of money in the last year. And then I mentioned my guest today, Aaron. And so just to give you guys some context of who Aaron is and what he's done, you know, he's probably one of the most down to earth guys that you'll meet, lives in Italy, loves to just go out for steak and feed his family every other day. But he's also the head of sales at BJKU and him and Bashar, his CEO, have been able to absolutely dominate in their space. Just for context, guys, they're literally taking home two Comma Club X rewards every couple of months. That's like the $10 million ClickFunnels Awards. And so hopefully that gives you some context of how successful these guys are. And for anyone that's listening, Aaron's just like holding up one of the awards in the background now. (laughs) Um, But not only that, you know, he's been recognized by some really big players in the space. He just recently spoke at Sam Oven's event uh, at his quantum event, his highest level mastermind. And so I'm really excited today to introduce Aaron Sivitres. I was going to try and say it with the Italian accent and Aaron, I just, I was going to absolutely butcher it. So welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing excellent, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be here, man. (laughs) Dude, so happy to have you here. And (laughs) just for the context of the audience, you know, I I want you guys to know why I invited Aaron on the show today. Um, And it was actually for a very selfish reason, as uh, all, you know, good marketers and good entrepreneurs do. They use podcast interviews as an opportunity to answer their own questions of what they want to do inside of the world. And so, I wanted to bring Aaron on the show today to kind of share a little bit of his experience about how he was able to go in, you know, and helping um, BJKU really, you know, and Aaron, I I want you to kind of tell the whole story, but you you kind of took it from, you know, just a couple of salespeople to now running an absolutely ginormous sales team. And so my goal today is to really start to uncover how that transformation happened, how you've gone from, you know, a business that was doing fairly well to now just absolutely crushing it. And that's kind of the theme that I want to go on today's uh, show. But as always, we may go off on a tangent and start talking about energy and all of these other things that may pop up. So Aaron, just for context for the audience, I'd love to just know a little bit of background about where you were just before joining BJKU and and just how that initially uh, came about and happened. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, you know, um, I've been with BJKU now since uh, the inception of it, essentially about two and a half years. And just prior to that, my wife and I had been living in Asia for almost a decade, working in hospitality and doing those types of things. And when I transitioned online, that's when we moved to Europe and sort of this whole new world, you know, opened up as it does. And I was like, whoa, hair straight back. This is crazy. And um, ironically enough, man, you were one of the first guys that I saw. And you immediately spoke to me with this message of if you want to meet people, if you want to network, if you want to raise your own uh, level of credibility in the space, you know, possibly a podcast can help you. And I was thinking to myself at the time, like, man, I really don't have much value to offer this the space. I don't know much yet, but I would love to talk to people and learn from them and then hold space for them where they can come on, share their story, and then I can network that way. 
And um, you said earlier, you know, I don't want to take credit, but you can take credit actually, because that podcast that I created, I brought on a bunch of cool people and every person I brought on kind of introduced me to the next person, next person, and it expanded to over a hundred episodes. And in that process, that's where I really locked in my relationship with Bashar. I had him on the podcast talking about what he was trying to do and what he was up to and his mission and his vision. And we really clicked. And from there, we just became friends and we ended up working together a couple months later. Wow, man, I love that. And, you know, it's honestly is testament to the power of relationships. And, you know, I think one of the big challenges with the online space is that, you know, everybody is out for themselves, you know, and, and immediately as soon as they meet people, you know, it's like you connect with somebody and within 20 minutes, if you're not trying to sell them in the DM, it's considered, you know, not a, a great strategy. And I think for a lot of the, you know, like you said, the people that are just getting started in this space, you know, in the beginning, it's really about digging your well before you're thirsty. It's about, you know, connecting, finding these people that you can build friendships, relationships with, and, you know, not only learning from them, but sort of leveling up your, you know, community and the people that you surround yourself with at the same time as well. So it's kind of amazing to kind of hear that, you know, really, I see this a lot with people. It, it's sort of this hidden thing. You know, it's like, oh, you do a podcast, you connect with a bunch of different people, you know, and then somewhere along the way, three to six months later, you suddenly become really successful. And it's not a tangible kind of like, oh, I did this and now I'm successful. But suddenly when you surround yourself with all these people, it starts to happen. So it's really great to kind of see that happen, you know, in, in that sort of first person basis. How, how did you find that initially? Was it a pretty easy kind of process or was it challenging for you? Um, well, like anything, when you're growing and it's new, absolutely challenging. It, it challenged me to get out of my own way as far as putting myself out there. You know, I'd never been on the internet, quote unquote, before and blasting videos in my face, sounding stupid, saying dumb shit. Like, I've never done that before, right? And I put it on the podcast and I just thought to myself, you know, like, Jamie said this was going to feel weird. He said, you're going to laugh at yourself in five years. And I was like, you know what? Just who cares? Like, go out there and see what you can do. And like one or two or three um, episodes into it, I just realized like, hey, man, these are just people, you know, like, yes, they're making tens of millions and they're just smashing in their own right. But like, this is also a father who has some pain and a story. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, I can just talk to people like I'm just meeting people virtually and we're recording it and then we're providing value. And I was like, this is actually pretty cool. So I stopped looking at it like a task and I just started looking at it like connecting with my new family, you know. Yeah, dude, I think that's I think that's really powerful because, you know, I think it's when you start to just really enjoy the process and you start to really look at it as something that just is enhancing your life, you know, it becomes a little bit easier. So I want to I want to ask a little bit about that initial conversation with Bashar, because I think it's fascinating because so many people in this space, me included, have often felt like, you know, oh, partnerships never work. So many partnerships fail. You know, if I try and do a partnership, it's probably going to end in, you know, flames. And I've been very resistant to the idea of ever doing a partnership for the longest time, probably because I have this belief because I've heard all these stories that have gone, you know, the wrong way and things haven't kind of worked out. So when you had that initial conversation with Bashar, how did it kind of come about and, and, and how did you guys start working together? Yeah, I, um, you know, when we were chatting I was in a moment in my own journey where I had understood that high ticket sales, if you want to call it this, the online sales space, remote sales, I was in the understanding of like, oh, this is where I can talk to people for a living. I can increase my communication skills. I can learn persuasion and NLP and get into this kind of stuff. And I can make 
really good money for my family. I can impact a bunch of lives and I can help business owners, you know, scale their business and build. So I had that in the back of my mind and I was like, Hmm, you know, it would be really nice to, to work with someone on this journey who I really resonate with. And before Bashar, there were a few other uh, companies I worked with. A couple of them just really didn't work out at all. It was, it just wasn't a good match. Um, and I decided to part ways early. And then another one I came across was a mindset program that I consider a very pivotal moment in my life. Um, one of my mentors still to this day, his name is Chris Duncan. And his programs are amazing. And he absolutely shifted the way I look at a lot of things. He taught me a lot around energy work. And I was um, selling for him for a long time. Uh, not a long time, a short time, a couple of months. And I loved it. But the problem was the time zone for me. I was, I was on the phones at night. It was an Australian company. It just didn't jive. So we parted ways as friends. We're still in contact. We still, I still go through his programs every day. Literally today, I went through one of the videos. I love it. But in the meantime, I was searching. You know, I was like, I'm going to find someone who I resonate with, who is young, like the business is young. It hasn't blown up yet. And I can be like a catalyst of that part of the movement. Like I can be one of the, the leaders of that. And I met Bashar and, you know, when I was interviewing him, I kind of asked a similar question. Like, so like, what's your big motivation? What's your big why? Like, why do you want to do what you're doing kind of thing? And I understood very quickly that for him, it wasn't about the money and it wasn't about this quick, like, let me show you how much money I make and show you my cars and nothing wrong with that. I, everything does their own thing, but I knew immediately it wasn't purely because he already had a lot, not as a coach, right? Before coaching, he was making millions as an Amazon seller, just a regular quiet Amazon seller behind the scenes, no socials. And he was like, yeah, man, but I, um, I helped some of my family and I taught them how to do this skill and they just, they did it. And now they don't have to work anymore. And like, I felt good. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got fulfillment from it. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I, I probed into this and I, we sat into this topic for a while. And I just realized I was like, man, I'm, I'm staring at a gentleman here who has found his purpose and he's found the thing that he's going to go through for the rest of his life. He's going to be helping people and he loves this and he loves this vehicle and he, and he has a big vision for a platform where there's multiple people with skills that are teaching and coaching in varieties of ways because it's a university platform. It's not just Amazon. That's one offer. So I saw the vision and I understood that he wasn't in it for the quick dollar because he already had millions of them. And I was like, that's interesting. So we kept in contact. And um, over time, I sort of was like, hey, man, I was the instigator, right? I was sort of like, poke, poke. I'm a sales guy, right? right. Poke, poke, poke. And I was like, hey, man, like, anytime you need someone to call someone, like, I don't know, you know, I'm over here, let me know. And then one day he was like, hey, man, like, here's a Google sheet with a couple numbers. You want to call some people for me? Like, I want to get off the phones because he was grassrootsing it, you know? And I was like, absolutely. And the rest is history, as they say. I can get into how that worked after that if you like, but that's kind of how it started. Yeah, I love it. And it's so funny you, <laughs> that you said Bashar is such a gentleman because, you know, I've, I've seen some of his videos and I don't know if it's this like eccentric mustache that he's got or if it's just the way he dresses or the way he talks, but I definitely would describe him as a gentleman for sure. Like that's that's the vibe Absolutely. that I get from it. So, I mean, you know, it's it's really interesting to me that you're talking about like this deeper why because I think it's it's so important from a motivational perspective. You know, I've seen so many of my friends and people and, you know, getting burnt out, you know, and, and feeling like, you know, it isn't working out for them in, in the business that they're in. And a lot of the times it's not because they don't have the skills or it's not that they don't have the motivation. It's just that, you know, there's something that's not clicking and they're sort of naturally pulling back. So I think it's amazing that you found, you know, somebody who had that deeper 
why that was rooted in not just, hey, this is what's making us money, but hey, this is something that I really want to help people with. So what what I'm really interested in, Aaron, is the transformation that you went through from just being, you know, the high ticket sales guy to then becoming really the the sales director, the guy that was really, you know, pushing the vision of the company forward. Um, and again, you know, just to reiterate for everybody listening, I'm also considering this for myself, bringing in somebody who can be that, you know, sales director, that salesperson, that person that loves that side of things. Before we dig into the how, I really want to understand the dynamics of the difference between you and Bashar, because obviously it's you guys there in the middle. A lot of people talk about partnerships and they talk about you need to be different people. You need to be, you know, one person needs to be analytical. One person needs to be, you know, uh, motivational. What would you say are the characteristics of you and Bashar separately as people? It's mm, a great question. Um, it's interesting because, you know, you do read a lot of books and you hear a lot of things about visionaries and integrators and the yin and the yangs and this type of stuff. Um, I believe that to be true, but I also understand that you can do that in micro, in, 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 on a micro level within the levels of the company. So for example, Bashar as a CEO and myself, we are both visionaries. You know, we've taken the tests. We talk about it all the time. We know exactly what our strengths and weaknesses are. And I know for me and my team knows very clearly that I am not the guy to go over and look at Google Sheets and like figure out stuff like that. Like I, I'll fall asleep and I'll make a mistake. So I think we're very similar in a lot of ways. And that's probably why we clicked so well at the very beginning. We just both got each other. You know, um, we were talking about the mission and the vision and like the, the mission is to disrupt the education system literally to come in and disrupt it and, and be the world's online leading university for entrepreneurs so they can set their own destiny, you know? Um, and, and when we both were like speaking about this, school failed him in a sense. And myself, I went through college. I went through a master's degree. I did the whole go corporate, do the whole thing, unfulfilled, not enjoying myself. So like I can see the I can see that that doesn't work for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs. Now for skills like lawyers and doctors, of course you need school, but for entrepreneurial type people, like there's nothing out there like that. Right. And so when we both saw that vision and understood that, Oh my God, that's what, that's what we should create. Like that's what's going on here. We both were just on board and running with that. Now the next level is to surround yourself that are going to pick up the slack in the parts that you're not, not, not great at. And, um, Bashar's methodology of leadership is that of partnerships as you're speaking about partnerships. So BJK university, there's about a hundred of us behind the scenes on the team. There are zero employees. You know, we're not, we're not talking taxes and W2s put that, put, put the jargon aside. We're talking like energy wise. There are no employees at the company. We are all partners. Every department, every person in every department is considered a partner. Everyone is incentivized like a partner would be incentivized as the company scales, your income scales with it, no matter where you are. Even if you're admin plugging in numbers, you are a piece of this puzzle just as much as I am or Bashar is. And you should be scaling in revenue the same way. And what happens is inside these micro pockets, you can have a visionary and integrators working together closely and they are incentivized to do their best work because they're incentivized like a partner would be. And if you have clusters of these people making up a hundred people, the whole organism itself is entail incentivized and running like we're all partners at the top because we are, 
it's completely flat. There is no org chart. We have an accountability chart, yes, but there's no org chart that says, you know, top down pyramid stuff. So we both think this way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And when we both realized that, we were like, okay, let's get to work. And then we put the pieces together, you know? Yeah, I find this super fascinating because um, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to be conventional, which is why I asked that kind of first question about, you know, your characteristics and traits. So it's really reassuring to hear that you guys kind of did it differently. Um, Mm. And I love this kind of idea of the partnership and, you know, from the outside in, especially probably for a lot of people listening, I know just thinking about even having a hundred partners inside of one business is daunting and, you know, very overwhelming to even think about how you would get started. So can you walk me through like what that looked like from the beginning? So when you and guys first came together, what did that sort of makeup look like initially when you joined the company and, and how did you put that into place? Yeah. So when I joined, I was the first person to come in and I just came in as a conventional sales guy. So we had a Google sheet that was updated manually every day with 10 numbers or whatever. And I would call them up and I would say, Hey, I saw you're interested in possibly building an Amazon business. You know, maybe we should talk about it. And that's how we got started. Um, as we moved forward and cranked up ads and had more cash flow coming in, obviously we needed more help. So behind the scenes, here comes the admin team. So the admin team comes in amazing guys and you know, one guy, you know, just one guy taking some stuff off the plate of Bashar, right? being trained by Bashar directly. Bashar is very hands-on. He's, he's a CEO who's right in the trenches with everybody all the time. Um, not to the point where he's in the business, as they say. He's very much above, but he is not afraid to be in there. And he does a lot of the training hands-on, which is perfect. Um, brought in those guys, got them doing their thing, set the incentive. So they're incentivized for me as the sales guy to like help me capture the payment plans, for example. They're, they want that, right? So like they're working hard to find ways and innovate to make that effective and efficient. So they're doing their thing. And then it's like, okay, time for some marketing. So marketing guys came in absolute savage beasts. These guys are crazy. They're, they have zero limiting beliefs. When they speak, Bashar and I, our eyes go massive and we're like, oh my God, you you guys are talking huge, crazy stuff right now. I'm just going to close my mouth and just like, watch you guys do this. Cause like, yes, keep going, you know? So those guys came in and it was just a couple of them to start. And of course, then they built out their team exactly the same way. They one person here, one person there, bring a copy guy, bring a content guy, a Photoshop person, and like build out their structure, same way. Departments are micro businesses, right? So not to get too far in the weeds, but for example, you make X, one company, uh, one part of the company makes X percent of that, and then they're paying out their team's based on this, uh, it's like a micro business, right? So Bashar is like, uh, um, what do you call it? I don't want to, what's the word? Um, advisor, uh-huh. let's say the general, the gentleman advisor who we go to like the Oracle in the movie, <laughs> right? We, 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 I run the business. I run the sales team. I have full autonomy. Marketing guys have full autonomy. It, we, we are the last word, right? admin same same deal it's it's like that and then we go to the oracle of bashar and we're like we would like some advice or your thoughts on this topic what do you think about this he'll give you a bunch of really insightful feedback and different options and then he will support your decision mm-hmm. and then he does this across the team so everyone has autonomy they have ownership they have accountability for their actions and they're incentivized 
Um, and that allows him his time to then go off and be the visionary and innovate and look for the next thing and make connections and, and shake hands, you know? Super interesting. I mean, and just from a, you know, uh, thinking from an integrating position right now, you know, how, how did he go about deciding what percentages to give away? Because, you know, initially you might be like, oh, great. You know, the sales team is a micro business. You know, we're going to give them, I don't know, 30% of the total revenue to distribute between the department. But then you need to add something else in, right? And it's like, oh, okay, maybe we need to like reallocate these percentages. How did that thought process kind of come about? Was it just kind of like pick a number and let's see? Or was there more thought to it than that? Um, you know, that was, I wasn't really part of that thought process. Bashar came up with that idea and, and kind of disseminated it out to the people. Um, but I believe it's like anything with, with anyone, anyone who is in business understands there are cycles, there are ups, there are downs, and there's tons of moving parts and innovation happening at all times. Mm -hmm. Things change. You have to be malleable, right? Plasticity, like you, you have to be able to be flexible. So I think one thing that's important is to always have an open door sort of policy and always be able to talk openly about it and make sure that the people are heard, whether that comes from any level at any time. And also that goes with the percentages and the numbers as well. Like, Hey, this used to make sense, but it's not anymore. Or, Hey, like that number was fine, but now we've scaled to this and it's just stupid now. Like it doesn't even make sense anymore. Like having those honest, authentic conversations and just being open and vulnerable with each other at all times. I think that's the secret because you can't just set it in stone and be perfect for the rest of your life. So I think really just having good, solid communication and having leadership that is in a position of I'm here to listen and talk. And I am extremely flexible and I want what's best for you and what's best for the company equally. And I'm neutral, something like that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like Netflix's policy. You know, when you look at like their team culture, you know, they, they drill into everybody of, you know, we make every decision through the lens of what's best for the company. And it, and it kind of sounds like that's the dynamic that you guys have as a leadership team. It's, you know, coming together and saying, Hey, look, you know, here's what's going on full transparency. Here's what I think is best. What do you think is best? And how do we, you know, help this grow? Right. It's much better Absolutely. to have 1% of, you know, Facebook's revenue than 100% of, you know, your local barbershops, you know, revenue, right? Like it's better to, <laughs> if you can scale it up that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's 100% on, on point. Yeah. I love it. Now, I want to um, focus a little bit more on you, Aaron, because we've talked kind of a little bit about, you know, the vision and, and how things have been kind of set up. What I want to talk about is a little bit about you personally, what has created your own success. Because, you know, it's no small feat to come in and scale sales teams to the level that you've been able to actually accomplish within the business. And obviously, you've already mentioned there's other components, there's marketing, there's behind the scenes, there's, you know, the way that the company was structured. But I believe, and, and you know, you may be modest and not say this, but I believe a huge part of what's made this company successful is your own personal way that you've done things. And so if you were to look at, you know, what is maybe the defining or a couple of defining things that made you successful and help take BJKU, especially in those early days to the initial success, what would you put that down to? Um, well, I, I see sort of two roads for this sort of an answer. One road is nothing is possible without amazing team around you. Hiring the right people and putting them in the right seats and allowing them to be their own visionary and be their own business owner 
and allowing them to innovate and grow and see a long vision and a future and be able to like express themselves as, as their true self. That's the number one thing for me as far as the team goes in the company is amazing people right from the start who, by the way, every single one of them is with us and their ability to grow allows me to grow too. We grow together, right? So it's like, thank you guys for teaching me what I learned and let's just keep doing this because at the beginning of this journey, I was new to sales, but the people I hired were not right? And that was not by mistake. I went out and I found the most experienced, hungry people I could. And I made them an offer they couldn't refuse, as they say, right? And they came in and they were, they just blew it up and they're still here and they're our leaders. And we've done the same thing with the rest of the team as well. So that's first and foremost is team. The personal side for me, um, I think, you know, I think like a lot of people, you have a defining moment or a, a moment when you just draw a line in the sand and you just say, fuck it. That's and that, sorry for my language, but like, that's enough. You know, like I, I it's time for something bigger and, and new and bright here for me. So like a lot of people, I had that defining moment, you know, what we were doing before it was great and I loved it, but it came to an end kind of abruptly. And I just, I just had a sort of a, I need to do something new in me. I just had this urge to like learn something new. And that's when we went online. And I knew that what had got me where I was, wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. And I started building this big vision for myself that seemed grandiose, like almost stupid. Right. But ironically, it wasn't stupid. They weren't big things at all. They were actually micro things that we surpassed years ago already. So, I think it was a shift in mindset that I started having um, more of a, an understanding of possibilities versus kind of being content. Mm. And then I started stepping into um, uncomfortable inner work with myself. You know, I went on lots of inner work journeys. I did a ton of, crazy personal development stuff with like Chris and a bunch of other people. And, um, I really started doing a lot of energy work, you know, tons of meditation, tons of journaling, tons of breath work, tons of state change things. You know, I was learning about epigenetics and, and NLP and just all the things, you know, all, all the geeky quantum physics stuff. Like I geeked out so hard on it. And I got to a point where I realized, you know, there's more and I'm going to go get it. And I just sort of flipped a switch one day. I don't really know how to explain it. I just, I know when it was, we were on an airplane from Asia where we used to live to Italy, where we live now. It was on the plane. I remember sitting on the plane, looking out the window in economy class. Not that there's nothing wrong with economy class, but I was sitting in economy all crunched up and I was looking out the window and I was like, man, when we get to Italy, that Aaron is dying and the new Aaron is born. And this new Aaron holds himself to a high standard. He has discipline. He has structure. He does this every day. He does that every day. He has these goals, that goals, vision boards, all this kind of stuff. And when I landed, I just flipped a switch and I just decided, I chose that I would live that life. And I have ever since, you know, I stopped drinking. I started exercising. Like I just completely changed my whole persona, you know, and it was just a choice. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't give enough weight to. A lot of people think 
too many external factors uh, dictate what happens in their world. And I know everybody's going through things and I know everything, everyone has struggles and stuff, but you can just make a choice. And one of the things I learned from one of my mentors was that like humans, they're not, they're not broken. Like you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Success is structural. This is from my mentor, Chris. Success is structural. It's not personal, right? And he uses like the, the, the example of Lady Gaga or say even Donald Trump, you know, these people that have achieved quote unquote massive success, are they perfect? Like, are they like the perfect human? No, absolutely not. Lady Gaga has worthiness issues. She cries before going on stage. Trump, we don't need to go there, but we, his policies are one thing, but his human, eh, we don't know. But it just proves that if you set yourself in a structure and you create a tension moving forward, and taking the wisdom from your past and taking it with you and building that structure, that timeline, meditating on it, getting very clear on it and building a tension structure and staying in the tension. You can create whatever you want because it's not about you. You just have to set yourself into a, a structure and just follow it, you know, chunk it down. And I kind of realized all of that, you know, in about a two month span of time, I went from completely oblivious to any of this to having a pretty good understanding of it. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And on that tension structure included things like starting a podcast, getting good at sales, aligning with a, a, a heart-centered leader that I could resonate with and build a massive company, impact millions of lives. I don't know how, but I will somehow get massive reach and help a lot of people go to events and inspire people. Like all that stuff was in that structure and then just started putting in the work every day and um, moving towards it, you know? Yeah, dude, this, I mean, it's beautiful hearing you say that story. You know, I felt myself welling up while you're telling it because, you know, I've definitely been in a situation on a plane contemplating, you know, the things that are going and, you know, you really hear it when you tell that story that it really just was a decision. Out of curiosity, how old were you when you were on that plane? I was uh, 38. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm 41 now. You know, the, re the reason I asked that is just, you know, I was recently chatting with one of my clients and, you know, he has this amazing, um, incredible, like quantum physics based, you know, process that he takes some of his clients through. But we were talking recently about the cycles of life, you know, and he was saying, you know, from 30 through till 43 is some of the most powerful, you know, situations that you have in your life, you know, and unfortunately what happens with a lot of people is they have so much power and they have so much resilience that they just, you know, redline their car, so to speak. And if they're not careful, they just keep crashing through wall after wall after wall after wall, you know, and, and you see these examples of people, they make a ton of money and then it burns all back down again. And, you know, they, they do this multiple times, multiple cycles, divorces, all these different kinds of things. But we were chatting just yesterday about this and he said around about 39 is where a lot of people start to shift into this different zone where they start to think less about, you know, how you know their life is and they start to think more about the future they start to think more about you know impact they start to think about what can be you know brought forward and so you know as, as a 30 year old myself i think it's really interesting because the last couple of um months you know i've beat myself up a lot about this idea of you know man, i can't find my why i can't find my why i can't figure out what this driver is that's going to take me through and i don't want to just be in the game to make money and I think it's really interesting that, you know, you do see a lot of people once they get to this um, age that things start to change. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Aaron, but I just thought it was really interesting that that correlation of your story today with, with what I was talking about yesterday. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting. Um, well, I would say for you, before I give my thoughts, man, like at 30, just the fact that you're where you are and done what you've already done, like you, you're absolutely crushing, bro. Crushing, you know, it's true. Like I, I talk about this all the time with the guys and, and the girls on, on the sales team, like they're in their like early 20s or mid 20s, you know, or third, early 30s and already deep in the personal development journey, like morning meditations, journaling, like tracking their oral rings and all, doing all this amazing stuff. And I'm like, man, when I was in my 20s, I was just drinking beer at college. <laughs> I didn't give a shit about anything. I didn't know what the hell was going on in the world. Right. Completely ignorant because I don't know. That's what you do in college, isn't it? I don't know. So I, I feel like humanity and people now with the internet, and this is why I find the internet so fascinating, is that you can actually choose what you want to be interested in very easily. And then you can go reach out and find people that congregate in these places who are interested in those things. And if by chance, the thing that you're interested in is learning how to find your why, find your passion, how you can make an impact and also stack a shit ton of money at the same time, you can go out to the internet and find literally a hundred people in one day who've done it, who have a course about how they did it and they're willing to chat with you or you can follow their Instagram stories and just learn from them. And so I feel like the younger generation, they have such an opportunity to become that, that world view sort of forward thinking wise human a lot earlier, you know, and I, I love that people are doing it and you're one of them. Like at 30, you're there. Um, it, at 38 was when I actually turned on the internet for the first uh, 37, I turned on the internet for the first time, like to look at this kind of stuff. And it only took me two or three months to realize, whoa, poof, massive epiphany. This is what's going on here. But um, yeah, I think you're right, man. Um, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We joke at it because uh, I, I, feel like, um, I feel like women mature faster. I'm, I'm sure you might agree with me on that. And not only mature, but seem to have like stronger intuition, right? And more empathy earlier in life that I feel like men pick up a bit later. And I find like uh, at 40, I'm because I'm 41 now, at 40, something happened in me, you know, like, I don't know if it's all this inner work that I've been doing in this whole new sort of lifestyle and stuff. But all of a sudden, I started feeling like life is finite. You know, it will end people like you're going to die and they're not going to remember you just do what you want to do right now and, and go for it. And while you're here, like today's the best day of your life. You know, the, you know those calendars with like the hundred years or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, the weekly calendars, like I do that. And I, I, I scaled it out to 120 though. And I do that. <laughs> and I also have these old pictures of myself from this face app. So I progressively see myself getting older to like a hundred years old, super old. It's a really cool app. And our whole team has done it. And we talk about this in our, in our huddles and in our meetings every day. It's like, life is finite. Today's the best day of your life. It's like, do it for that guy or girl. Like that person's cheering you on right now. And again, this is setting that forward tension, right? So it's a forward thing. So all of a sudden now you can ask yourself, well, what are the values that that version of me has the best version of me, the version of me who has changed the world, made a ton of impact, helped all the people around them, made all the money, done all the things. Like, what is that guy value in his life? Ask yourself that in the morning. You'll think of some crazy shit. And then you just incorporate that today. And you, okay, well, that's what I should probably do then, right? And you just do that. So I wasn't thinking about this stuff before, man. And I find like my wife, she's, you know, roughly 10 years younger than me. And 
Like she thinks like this all the time. She's thought like that for many years. And I'm just, I find it funny that yeah, guys hit that around 40 and um, even the younger generation hits it earlier now, thanks to the internet, because our whole team is on this, on this way of thinking. And it's fascinating to me. It really is. Yeah, I, I personally think you're 100% right here. And, uh, you know, I, I live in Tamarindo now. It's kind of a very small community here. And there are a lot of these kind of, you know, digital nomads, people working online. A lot of people here do a lot of deep work, a lot of people doing ayahuasca ceremonies and, and really, you know, focusing on this sort of deeper understanding of themselves. And it's something we talk a lot about. You know, every Saturday we get together at the Saturday market and we have these, you know, deeper conversations but a lot of the conversations center around, you know, this idea of this awakening. You know, we've got so many people now who have access to self-learning, self-development. And, you know, for me personally, um, I had a really great conversation, you know, a couple of weeks ago with two different people. You know, one of them was my 28-year-old friend who has been doing a lot of deep inner work recently. We were talking about, you know, the growth and the possibilities. And, and we both were talking about how we'd had a conversation with our parents and, you know, I'd had an open conversation with my dad who, um, just to be, you know, really transparent, he had a really challenging relationship with his um, brother because his brother always used to argue with his dad. And, and when his dad died of a heart attack, it was 10 minutes after an argument with his brother. And so for years, you know, he's held 20 years worth of resentment towards his brother because he blamed him for his brother's death. You know, and I had this, you know, great conversation with my dad where I'm like, well, you know what, like that was probably just the, the straw that broke the camel's back. If it wasn't that conversation, it probably would have been the next one. You know, have you thought about trying to let that go? And then on the other end, you know, I had this conversation with this um, 65 year old couple who I'm really great friends with. It's a guy called Patrick who he sells flowers at the market. Amazing guy, him and his wife Rose. And we had a really nice. deep conversation because his mum had just been there and she was in her 90s. And, you know, he, we, he was talking about how it was so difficult and how, you know, there was some wounds that they felt like they couldn't heal. And it was a very rigid conversation. He was like, well, there's no way that we're ever going to be able to heal that between me and my mom, you know. And I don't think the, the sentiment of the two people was very different. You know, I truly believe Patrick is just as sweet a guy as my friend that I was talking to. But it was interesting to see the difference in mindset of, you know, the sort of younger generation being open to this idea of, you know, we can grow, we can change, we can, you know, rewrite some of these stories we tell ourselves. And we can also share that with the people in our family who maybe have never been exposed to personal development. I know my dad has never had any exposure to any kind of personal development. So it's been nice to see as we start to have these conversations, how that, that kind of unfolds. So I think, you know, just as a live example, you know, I've seen that personally, you know, with the people in my own, in my own life. Mm, yeah. No, hundred percent, man. It's, um, that's a perfect example of it. And I love the fact that, uh, the gentleman selling flowers, his wife, is named Rose. <laughs> awesome. I've never that's thought awesome. about that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good one. But yeah, man, I, I, I totally agree. And, um, I feel that, yeah, there absolutely is a great awakening. It is happening. There's no, there's absolutely no question about it. Um, you know, <laughs> not to go over into the political side of things and stuff, but you know, like when people are awakening and by no means am I saying woke, I'm saying awakening to reality of quantum physics, energy work, and the fact that you can rewrite the way you feel and your emotions inside your mind around experiences that you've had. We can change that. 
we can rewrite it. They've proven it with science now. So, you know, the fact that you can detach and reattach neurons in your brain through meditation and through other ways like electromagnetic therapy and stuff. I have a machine right here that like buzzes through my body and it does stuff to the brain. It's crazy. Like all this kind of stuff. The fact that you can actually kind of, I don't want to say manipulate, but enhance or change the way your structural being is now and we're aware of it right? It's not like witchcraft back in the day where they were like, what do you mean you have intuition about this thing happening? It's like, now we know what this actually means scientifically, you know? So I think since science is catching up to magic, right? I think science is catching up to magic. It gives magic credibility. And so now when people say, oh, you know, I'm having this, this inner, this inner conflict, and I believe that it has something to do with my ancestors and, um, you know, my, I have some lineage uh, pain, you know, 100 years ago or 100 years, ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, people would be like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what are you talking about now? They can go, oh, well, this scientific study actually shows your DNA has memory and it goes back through your ancestors. So, yeah, if your great, 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 great grandma was put up on a cross and burned. Yeah, you might have a little bit of resentment towards something. Yeah, it might be there. And science can prove this now. So now all of a sudden, this woo-woo stuff. Um, one of my buddies, Greg, the other day, I was talking to him. And he's like, I, he calls it woo-true, right? And um, he's an amazing guy, right? He's in the space. You might know him. And he, he, he calls it woo-true. And it's, it's, it's true. So now the younger generation, they don't have to deal with the, oh, man, that, what are you talking about kind of thing. It's like, no, man, it's just right here. It's actually real. And this is how we can actually work with it, you know? Um, so I feel like since there's credibility behind it now, it gives it more steam and the younger generation can catch that purely because of the internet, you know, access. Yeah, dude. It's so interesting. It's like memory in the DNA. It's like Assassin's Creed was onto something, you know, (laughs) the way they set it up. Yeah, dude. Now I think, and I, and I think it's really interesting. And, you know, for me, I I love these kind of deeper conversations because, you know, especially for people listening, it really helps to see the, the way that you look at things and it helps them to sort of correlate that for themselves. And so I want to just in the last segment of the show, go into some, you know, practical sort of almost more more like how to's not in terms of the sales and things like that, but really the energy work and, and the stuff that we've just been talking about, because for me, it's quite obvious that that is the, the most pivotal thing to helping get into that situation of, you know, skills you can acquire over time, but only if you have the right mindset. So for anybody that's listening and maybe resonating with this conversation, what would you say would be some really great starting points for somebody to start going and exploring more of this deeper, you know, maybe mindset work or energy work that can lead them to the path of success? I think doing your own research, like in sales, as they say, you know, if the prospect or the person says that it means nothing, excuse me, if the salesperson says that it means nothing. So if I say it to you, it's going to mean nothing. If you find it for yourself, it will mean everything, right? So my advice would be to go out and just start Googling and looking for different people who have um, sort of science-based magic, let's call it, you know, um, I can name a few names. I don't know if you want me to. Yeah. Do you want me to? Of course. Yeah. So for example, I mean, Joe Dispenza would be a simple go-to guy. Classic Joe Dispenza, right? Tony Robbins. Now he's, everybody knows Tony Robbins, but now go a level deeper and understand the NLP behind Tony Robbins. 
understand the words that he's saying and why he's saying them. If you understand why he's saying to the people in the crowd certain things in certain ways, he is triggering things. He's anchoring feelings. He's pulling out emotion from people from their past and he's exposing it. And then he's helping them get past it. He's using language to do that. The language is speaking directly to the subconscious mammalian brain, right? This is like behavioral psychology stuff. So looking at that kind of stuff, another gentleman who's absolutely amazing in this space is Chase Hughes, um, Eli Wild. These are all people who have influenced me and I, I learn from daily about mindset, but not just mindset, how to apply it to explore your own potential. And for me personally in sales and leading a sales organization, it has a lot to do with understanding um, high level communication persuasion, influence, these types of things. Um, but I would say look for someone who you resonate with that you find interesting that has science behind them. You don't just want someone who sits on a, on a, on a field in Bali, which by the way, I love Bali, nothing against it, but someone who's sitting in Bali who's saying, yeah, man, just like look at the stars, bro, and eat some mushrooms. It's like, okay, cool, fun. I get it. But you don't need that. You can actually do the work and you can get to that space without it. On that note, ayahuasca, absolutely great. Down in Costa Rica, a lot of our team goes down there. Um, that stuff's great. I, I support it all day long, but I will also say, and I'll debate this all day long, you can get there without it. Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. You can get there without it. Yeah. So either way is cool. Both is good. It's just an enhancement. It's fun. It's cool. So um, yeah, that's where I'd start. Someone like Joe Dispenza, that's a great foundational thing. Um, and then I think holding yourself accountable to actually what you want. So for me, I broke down my old values, like 10 or 20 things I used to value, the old version of me. And then I was like, okay, well, what is that 80 year old stud Aaron version value, right? Like, what is that guy value? He came in on a helicopter, he's ripped and he's like 80, like what's going on? What does he value? And I was like, okay, and I listed out those things. And I said, okay, well, that, those are my new core values for myself. And then understanding that you can, implant those values into your your being through daily work through meditation through journaling through affirmations through all sorts of ways um, mantras and things breath work yoga you can implant those into you and create that new version of yourself because you are the creator you control everything and on that point one more thing the fact that your body re regenerates itself about every six months means you can actually recreate your organs and you can rebuild your entire structure so you can choose to live the life you love, but only you can do that. That would be my advice. I love it, Aaron. This has been honestly one of my favorite interviews I've done for the entire year. Uh, I just love everything you're about. I love everything that you've shared. Um, for anybody that wants to you know, experience more, maybe get some information on BJKU, you know, maybe hear more from you specifically, where would be the best place for them to go to get more Aaron in their lives? More Aaron in their lives. Yeah, they can, I can just go to my website. Aaron Civi, A-A-R-O-N-C-I-V-I.com. I love it, man. I love it. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Incredible, incredible interview. Super appreciative. Um, any final thoughts or anything you want to share just before we head off? Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, they can do it, but I can't, I call bullshit on that because I thought the same and I bet Jamie did too. 100%. At some point, I thought there's no way I'm going to have a ClickFunnels award. What are you talking about? I don't even know what this thing means. Now we have too many of them. Like they're just all over the place. Before I was like, there's no way that I can meditate for X amount of time. I've never done that. I don't have the, the stability. I'm going to hurt my butt, you know? No. 
I'm here to tell you that whatever you want to do, you can. There are tools. There are people that will guide you. There are mentors who would love to help you. There's amazing communities that you can join, but nobody can do it for you. As much as your friends love you, your family loves you, even your spouse, not a single other human in this world can do the work. And without the work, nothing will change. The good news is you can change, but it's up to you. Dude, I love it. I love it. Beautifully put. All right, guys. Well, you heard it here first. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it, man. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to see where you take the company in the next few years. I'm sure we'll check in again in the future and see where you're up to. All right. My pleasure, man. Anytime. Nice to see you again, bro. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Take care.